1: Indeed
2: it does. Fast Money starting right now live from the NASDAQ market site in New York's Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan. And again, for uh, Melissa Lee, you'll be able to tell because Guy, the expression on his face. Uh, Our traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour. Karen Feynman and Guy Adami. Wow. Cheer up. Guy. Hi, Joe. <laughs> How are you, my man? Tonight, a potential antitrust apocalypse, we're calling it, wow. uh, is hanging over big tech. And one top lawyer, he's brought his magnetic business cards. He's going to tell us the tech giant that's most at risk. But first, we're gonna start with the market rally. The Dow surging for the second day in a row, now up a whopping 700 points in just two days. It's the biggest two-day rally since January, even as a trade uh, tariff deadline with Mexico looms, but does it really? We might hear something about that. But despite the euphoria, there are signs of trouble. But is that good or bad? Safety stocks are soaring, with REITs and utilities leading the way. The 10-year yield remains near its lowest levels, Uh, And it uh, gave back some ground today, the yield did after that ADP report. Uh, Crude is collapsing, falling deeper into a bear market, so... Can you trust this market bounce? And what do you do right now, Guy I mean, I, I reference it. Sometimes trouble is good. You don't want people feeling too good about
0: things, do you? No. Look at you. Sometimes trouble is good, right? A little acrimony sometimes. It gets the juices. Well, I don't, juices mean I don't, it I don't on, like it here. It keeps you on edge. I mean,
2: you don't want people being too complacent. Yeah, yeah. In, in,
0: their, in their They position. are too complacent. I mean, I think Pete would agree with this. The VIX in this environment should be, in my opinion, should be closer to twenty-one, twenty-two than to 17. So I think there is a late complacency there, for the because the last 10 years every single dip in the market's been a buying opportunity, and you've been rewarded for buying the market and for being short volatility. I do think it's different this time. I do think yields going lower is a warning sign. I do think that utilities, XLU making all-time high in this environment, is a warning sign. I do think that gold rallying is a warning sign that being said you can't discount the fact that the last two days has been very impressive my inclination would be to fade this
3: move well it's it's very impressive off of oversold conditions and so we do this all the time is is bad news bad news is bad news good news is good news bad news and for the market right now they're putting the fed in play and the market is saying that bad news is good news bad news folks is bad news i I think if we get two cuts this year it it is not augur well for not only s p earnings but the overall volatility environment i think on friday Friday, you're going to get an opportunity with a payroll number, uh, coupled with today's beige book that said everything looks actually quite fine, coupled with Fed comments from yesterday, to hear that good news will probably be bad news for the equity market, because I think equities have priced in way too much Fed here. I think the bond markets are way too far ahead as well, but it's equity markets I'd be more concerned about.
4: Let me push back for a second.
3: All
4: right. So when you're talking about the Fed that if the Fed cuts once or twice, that doesn't that doesn't doesn't make well. me feel. But good. let me ask you something. It's the same. So we have the same set of data. Right. Uh, the economy. Would you rather have the Fed do nothing on it or would you rather have the Fed cut on it? The data is what it is. Right. The economy is doing whatever it's doing. I'd rather have the Fed. I know you think that's great question. So because the, uh, things are cheaper, mortgages are cheaper. You know, ha- having debt is cheaper.
3: I, I think, and if you look at what's been going on with APRs and credit cards, we were at 20-year highs in car, you know, essentially uh, revolving loans. But your question is a good one, which is, with the same data, wouldn't you rather have a lower rate environment? I'm telling you that I think the Fed's going to need to see worse data. That the Fed's going to need to see continuing deterioration in the ISM, which we got three-year lows. Uh, PMIs around the world, but most notably our data to cut twice and that will be a bad environment but all the things equal with lower rates you're right it's good we got a <laughs> uh,
2: that print today on adp put the june fed funds up 10% from last week 33% for a yep. june cut 33% chance of a june cut so, so i mean 97% Well, Leesman was on with us today
5: cuts. at noon, and he was talking about three cuts this year. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's not, when I hear you saying two, I'm thinking two doesn't sound but that bad right. compared and, to but the but three. But it's not
2: just dependent on bad news. It's dependent no. on good news on the inflation front. That's right. what everybody's missed this What's time. What's good
3: news? Good news is good inflation? News is you know, that defla- every-
2: well, I, I don't know. I always thought <laughs> low inflation was good
3: news, but, it, but now point? it's bad news that it's too low, it's too I guess. Don't inflation? we have deflation? Isn't that a risk? Disinflation. We're not going down. Disinflation is not a bad thing. You're right. Deflation, look at Japan. Look at Japan. Look at 30 years of trying to recover right. from uh, a, a credit bubble. Guess what? We had 10 years ago, But right. where your response was that the central bank threw everything they could at the problem in terms of liquidity. I, I think deflation is a risk for the
5: world. Joe, I'm going to say something that I've said many, many times when we've been on this desk and we're down 500 points one day, we're down 300 points the next day, and, every, and we talk about algorithms, right? High frequency trading, some of that stuff that's pushing the market around. Hey, I'm going to get out there right now and say, hey, it happens in these upward moves as well. I mean, I think we're seeing algorithmic moves that are triggered off of words, whether it's the Fed, whether it's trade, whatever it might be, and that is why we're seeing these violent, even intraday moves. So to your point, the fact that volatility, where we're trading right now, way too low. Way, way, way too low. A 16 VIX gives you a 1% move per day. Well, I can tell you, if you're looking at what we're doing per day, Close to close is different. I'm talking about the movement we're getting right now. So because of that, we should be trading probably a 20, maybe 21, something like that. And so the fact that we're trading here in the 16s right now, I think it's a great opportunity to do something, Joe, where you protect your portfolio or you exit your stocks if they've performed well and you stock replacement with options in front of that. But either way, you've got to be owning options right now, mostly puts I'm talking about, spiders, whatever it is that might protect your portfolio because... You buy when you can, not when you have to. And in this market, we easily could see a VIX trading over 20 in a couple of days. In a
2: bull market, when you get a sharp break that's really scary and really quick, that's usually a sign of a continuing bull market because it shakes people out. Is the same thing true in a down market? If you get a sharp move back up, can you trust it? That? That's what worries me. Is it, it you know? It's the drip, drip, drip in a bear market that scares me. Or the, uh, long-lasting bull markets—they go up a little at a time, and the next thing you know, you're up two, two or three. I would also four. say
5: we're looking at this trade market that we're talking about right now. It started off with China, but now just look around the world in terms of the tariffs that are being talked about everywhere. So this is not no longer just a China trade war. This is becoming a bit of a war with everybody, potentially. And I don't mean that necessarily that we're not doing the right thing. All I'm saying is that changes the dynamic immensely to me. And that means you've got to I, put I, yourself in a position to be able to make money because there are great opportunities. Every single day there are opportunities, but it's a trading environment. You have to scrunch down what your time frame is right now. So I, I think if
3: you if you look at where vol is, I agree with that. And ultimately, back to what Karen was saying, I think vol reflects a Fed put that's back in, in the market. But back to the market we had today and back to stock picking. I mean, look look at how Apple's begun to uh, decouple from the SMH. So Apple's actually uh, basically considered to be a trade war stock, poster child number one, uh, actually has rallied 4% or so over the last couple of days. SMH was back down today. I think that's encouraging because ultimately I don't think Apple should be, uh, you know, tabbed directly to the, the semis and all the other cyclicals that are related to trade. So there's stuff you can do, Pete, uh, out there in this market.
0: You know, my biggest problem with Fed rate cuts, you know, Larry Kudlow in early May said, you know, the greatest, you know, the President has said greatest economy in the history of the public. It might be. I'm not arguing that. But if that is in fact the case, why are we even having conversations about Fed rate cuts? To me, it doesn't. Why don't have the pedal to honestly, the metal? I, why why not have the
2: pedal to the metal if there's no inflation? Why
0: don't you know? I'll I'll give you something novel. Why, when the rest of the world is trying to devalue their currency, why don't we do something novel like strengthen ours? Because it's in all of our it's best happening. interests, including the people at home. Happening maybe for the wrong reasons. You know, I know it sounds crazy, but the Fed's job isn't to save the market; it's to save the economy, and the two are much different things. I think we have an opportunity here in, in keeping rates the same or even raising rates to actually strengthen the foundation that's been weakened by 10 so years we, of so ridiculous we export nothing
2: and all. Oh, we got a what do we export?
0: Why don't you tell me? What well, we, what no, mean? I'm saying if the dollar gets too strong, we've got a president that all he does sure, is we don't worry ne- about we trade deficits. Do you don't export. need a stronger I mean, we dollar. Don't, right. Well, I mean, the, I would think the consumers watching it at home would disagree. I think a weak dollar is a tax that nobody ever sees. You know, everybody thinks it's great to have a weak dollar. The administration for That's decades right. has talked about Just that. Right. It's wrong. If no, you but think it's about just right. It. 111 on the euro. I mean, didn't you think it'd be? I, I thought it'd be much higher. I think if it. you buy things, you want you want your buying power to be stronger, and it's stronger if the dollar. Increase. Now, well, I know that's not great for multinationals, but it's great for the folks at home. No, one, if, thing,
5: one if, thing I'd say real quick, just uh, is that the why are if we're in such a great market the last couple of days, up 700 points. If it's so great out there, why are we seeing not just the utilities? How about the metals? I mean, when we see gold starting to make so moves, much. we're <laughs> seeing paper and silver every single day now. Different, either individual. Names or the ETF or whatever, you're starting to see the precious metals. People are jumping in there, Joe, and that's what I see. Which I is, see in the derivatives market. You're saying you it's
4: positive to the up. Well, I'm just seeing, seeing gold, so bars
5: of silver, and gold are people right. that are running scared. Right. right.
2: Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. It Doesn't mean they're right because I'm oil just, should be going too if it's right. right. inflationary. And, yeah, and it's meanwhile, oil is
3: going, the, other not. Way. It's oil's going the wrong
5: way. Yes. Right. So exactly
3: and in fact, so to dovetail that, Joe, if you look at the steel companies again, they were back on the on the sell side. If you look at a lot of the materials companies, I say this all the time, not because I think they're a bad company. But look at Glencore stock if you want to understand uh, some of the pricing pressure, some of the leverage pressure, and some of the impact of the global commodities in- industry because they're probably the biggest and the best commodities trader out there. That stock's been you know, on the skids now for really six months. And I think until you start to see that improve, I'm not in there buying commodities wholesale. Did you... People actually
2: trade things today. They told me to ask you if you would. People People I did, did not. It. You did not. I did not. I haven't traded I'm things in 26 years, so I can't. Well, well do it today. no, I can't, uh, huh? I'm not allowed, <laughs> really? I'm not allowed. You can I'm do not. spiders? Huh? <laughs> I guess you could do ETS I guess I could do
6: Well, but so I'm morally I,
3: opposed to those. One of the things <laughs> I did a couple of days ago was was got exposure, actually, to to what I think are going to be bond yields that begin to normalize a little bit more off these levels. So uh, I've, I've been owning uh, both calls and some spreads in the TBT, which to me is, you know, again, the, the, the opposite of your view on Treasury's rallying, actually, that they're going to sell off in the long end. I, I just think we have to reconcile um, bond markets that are screaming uh, something that I'm not sure the Fed really thinks is, is taking place.
5: Joe, I'll tell you, I, I've done quite a bit of trading in the last two or three or four days, and it's been because of the fact that I'm seeing all these short-term type things. I'll give you a great example. GLD, monstrous buyers just last week. I'm already out of that trade. GDXJ, which is the miners, junior miners, that gives you a little extra torque. So I bought into that one. I don't know if everybody knows that they're the junior miners, but you know, and they move a little bit faster than GDX. But Dropbox is another one. But everything I'm seeing, and I've been saying this for the, since the start of the year, everything that we're seeing does not go out more than two months. I mean, so everything is short-term. Everything seems like it's tradable, and there's not a whole lot of investing going on out there.
2: Yes, there's a time when I invite people over, and we have an applause thing. How quickly can we get that? Because Savita yeah. is here. Yeah. Oh, Savita yeah. is here. Sure. We did it. They did yeah. it. This rally may not be here to stay. Uh, as, now I got to read this after I had it all. I had it all ready to go. Anyway, trade tensions are rising. Our next guest says things are likely going to get worse before they get better. This is not difference, Savita Subramanian, than what we've been hearing already from the traders. Ah. Uh, yeah, you're head of quantitative strategy at Bank of America. Uh, Merrill Lynch and welcome back.
7: Thank you. Yeah. Great so, to be you here. You see
2: a disconnect between I've seen equity markets in in the 10 year and it just looks like maybe not everything is uh it has great Agreeing. underpinnings. But I yeah. don't know if that's true.
7: Well, you know, it's interesting because I think what's driven the market higher or what's kept it at these levels isn't necessarily the cyclical stuff. It's the yield quality defensive stuff. So I think the stock market is singing right along with the bond market and saying Don't buy anything with any cyclical hair on it and just buy like utilities and, you know, tobacco stocks. And I I think that that's kind of what's going on internally with the market. I mean, I I think if you look at what's happened so far, what was surprising is that we've seen, you know, such a rapidity and and such a kind of a um, a heightening of of the tensions. And, you know, what's called into question now is whether we see a full-blown resolution you know, kind of earlier, the, early into this year, or whether this extends into next year and turns into an election issue, and um, and I think that the market's response is going to determine that. So if the market drops another ten percent, we'll likely hear policymakers dial back the rhetoric a little bit. And, um, and we'll get to a better place. But, but I do think that there's something going on right now that is a little bit unnerving. I mean, if you look at oil prices, if you look at the slope of the yield curve, everything is telling you that we're heading into a recession. And, I mean, the equity market is holding up better, but it's not necessarily the cyclical stuff that's pulling it
2: it's higher. It's just sub-4% unemployment. We'll see yeah. Friday. Uh, the ADP didn't help, but that, that number has been so off, uh, you know, now and again. I mean, it was 275. I think last month. Right. and that was validated by the real number that came out on Friday. This is an important number. Uh, right. I guess on Friday but you think that the that the psychology of, because the the trade stuff has not filtered into any numbers yet, economy. but no, you think right. psychologically that could have caused corporate managers to, to pull back in a bit. Oh way.
7: yeah, I mean we're already seeing that. So I'll tell you one interesting data point. If you look at the um, like the companies that are guiding above versus below planned capex expectations. From January through April, these numbers were great. And everybody's like, we're gonna spend a lot more than you think we're gonna spend. And then in May, all of a sudden, we saw a big nosedive, especially in industrials companies, tech companies. So companies are already saying, I don't know what the world is going to look like next month or next year, so why would I start ramping up my, you know, my my uh, factory building at this so,
3: point? So, Savita, based upon that, mm-hmm. um, how would you then judge the change in earnings revisions downward? So it seems to me yeah. you just put out a note where you've talked we about revised, you downgraded a little bit. Yeah,
7: we took down our numbers. And let me tell you, so we took down our numbers simply on the direct impact of the tariffs. So this is basically you know, the extra prices that we're going to pay for Mexico and China stuff, as well as the potential hit to our exports. We're not factoring in anything indirect. And here, I think the missing link is that some of the indirect impacts could actually be positive for US earnings, right? I mean, the whole point that we're doing these tariffs in the first place is to bring jobs back to the United States. And if that actually happens, that could be a huge spigot of growth that nobody is, is factoring into. Aren't the labor markets
3: too tight? I mean, but, are, don't, are we running that, into jobs? That's problems? why they said the yeah. ADP report well,
7: was
2: weak, because they couldn't find Yeah,
7: because you can't find people anymore. But, I mean, look at automation. I mean, robotics is still a thing. We haven't mm-hmm. fully automated everything. There's huge uh, gains to be but, made there. I mean, I don't say this happens in the next six months, but I think there's a longer-term, potentially bullish theme that we're not necessarily factoring into they're, any estimate.
2: They're saying goodbye, Mayor. I think they mean to you, right? You don't want me to leave. But I don't know why we do that. Where are you going? Right. I, I don't know. But I, I just, mean, you uh, got I another just, 45 minutes. Okay, no, it's it Savita. It's not I'm me. A, I'm right. staying. Savita, thank you. Um,
0: Are we heading into a recession, guy? Um, I I don't know the answer to that, but I'll say this: Why do we look at recessions and say it's such a bad thing? It's a natural part of the business cycle. I mean, it's not a terrible thing to go through a recession, right? I mean, it it should be a natural part; should happen every few years or so. We talk about it like this is horrible thing. I'll say this: In the Fed trying to stave off the recessions, they've made any downturn that much worse. They've made U.S. corporations, in large part, lazy because they don't have to focus on their business. They borrow cheap money, buy back their stock. Pay a dividend and everybody's happy. Say, well, give me an example. I'll give you an example. Look at General Electric <laughs> over the last ten years, and look at IBM as well. God, you're sour. she will uh, be back. I'm tomorrow. not sour. Those are, those
3: <laughs> are go. dysfunctional companies on their own. He's I don't think angry that's like, God, a I'm Not angry. I'm happy as can be. No, will be back.
2: She'll really? be back. Coming up, uh, Walmart's shareholder meeting had one interesting guest, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders fighting for higher wages for workers will tell you what it could mean for retail stocks. Plus, the man who helped the government build its case against Microsoft uh, is here to tell us which big tech companies are the most at risk of getting broken up. Oh, I hear an ambulance right now. Uh, and then later, Pete. Oh. Jer- uh, that's why I said magnetic. <laughs> that's why I said magnetic <laughs> business cards. Call He's me. going to be me. here in a little while. Later I mean, Pete. N- that. Pete Najarian is stepping up to the plate for his fast pitch. He says there's one name hitting an all-time high that has more room to run. We've got much more fast money after this. You are.
1: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number.
2: I'm asking Walmart, the employees are asking Walmart, pay the workers there a living wage. You don't get rich on 15 bucks an hour, that's for sure, but at the very least, you could live with some security and dignity. Well, if you couldn't figure it out, uh, that was Senator Bernie Sanders, it says here, after a pairing uh, at Walmart's shareholder meeting today where he called uh, on the retailer to give workers a seat on the board and to raise its minimum wage of $15 an hour from $11, Walmart not alone in hearing uh, calls for higher wages. Competitor Costco just raised its minimum wage up to $15 an hour uh, in April, and Target bumped its up to $13 an hour this month. How big of a risk is this wage uh, battle to retailers? Karen, And wages? The labor market's tight. It's going right. to happen organically. I in, think anyway, it going to happen I, it's a moot point, isn't it?
4: Well, but for, I mean, retailers are really getting stretched. We saw, you know, with with them needing to have online Not of delivery, burning, right? because Not of, of, because of right. where
2: we are in, in this. Where in the we are, side. which
4: I guess you know, you, if you want some inflation, that's the, right. If you raise wages, you're going to have that. There, I, I'm concerned about some of the retail in elements out there. One thing though that is working in favor. For the retailers, if you look at what's happened actually with the oil move today, look at gas prices, which lag a little bit. That's going to be one thing that's going to help consumers be able to still, you know, Americans love to shop. So that's important to help. But I think that I think the wage thing is real. I think that they will be absorbed, though.
3: I, I think right. the wage thing, Joe, is real only when you drop it in the middle of a sector, a consumer staple sector in a in a you know a, a, a big box store that has an unbelievably competitive landscape. So look at Kroger, for example, who was cutting prices last year to gain market share. It actually worked somewhat. Uh, and again, these guys are all in massive competition with each other, and no one can compete with Walmart who at one point um, let go of the ability or the desire, I should say, to compete on price. Kroger's been raising prices. It's been killing volumes. If you look at the week over, I was just reading this report from Wolf, which toys, points out that these guys are basically at their highest prices since July of 2018, and volumes are suffering with that. So the consumer is sensitive, they're going to go for price, and they're all competing with each other, and labor is an input that's, I think, hurting them all. I don't think you need to run into the sector at all. I like uh, this surgical approach to, to the whole issue, but...
2: Hearing Bernie say no one's going to get rich at $15 an hour, that's true. But you get an entry-level position. If you raise it higher than $15 an hour, there's no entry-level positions left. The worst minimum wage is zero when, when there aren't any jobs. And and we seem to understand that wage price controls didn't work when President Ford... Well, you guys probably don't... I, when President Ford, Ford whipped inflation and, pr- and wage price controls under Nixon... It, what's the, it, it is a wage control, and the market needs to dictate. Are any retailers still paying $7 an hour, which Probably is where not. the federal no. minimum wage is? Right no. Have you seen what happens when you go to 15 in a city like... Uh, Seattle, or or place, and and suddenly businesses start start shutting down. It should be organically in a strong economy. People can ask for more money, right?
4: Yes, I agree with that. But there's another part of it, which is: do the retailers get hurt if they have to work? That's what I mean. You guys are
2: looking surgically at there will be higher wages.
4: But I think if you look at a Costco, which has had higher wages, they do get a very good multiple. Because they have had better relations with their employees right. than some that more don't. Loyalty, so,
2: they get to attract good, good right, people. Right, so
4: there is a virtuous cycle that goes on there as well. I think that I think that Walmart can absorb higher wages.
2: But if to- you were to talk to Bernie and say, okay, it, it, I guess if you said, how about 50 an hour? Does he understand that there is a breaking point well, when you get understand. up to a certain point where it, it actually, you start losing jobs, people at entry-level positions can't work anywhere. Anyway, for more on, look at their... I think that means I need to read. For more... Got a a little vertigo there. For more on Walmart and what's next for the stock, uh, head on over to uh, CNBC.com. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast Money.
5: I don't think anybody reasonable is going to come to the conclusion that Apple's a monopoly. Not so fast, Tim. The man who helped the government take on Microsoft will tell us why big tech today is a big risk. Plus. Pete Nigerian is stepping up to the plate to pitch one name that's hitting an all-time high today. He'll explain why he thinks there's more room to run. We've got much more Fast Money right after this break.
8: Every day.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Apple spiking today after CEO Tim Cook says Apple will be safe if the U.S.-China trade war escalates, even if it does. But just as it gets potential relief on that front, its legal troubles uh, back home could be getting started. I don't want this to happen, Josh. If there's anything you can do, I like all my Apple stuff. Leave this company alone. It's the greatest company in the world. Josh
6: Lipton is in San Francisco with more. (laughs) Joe, two app developers have now filed a suit in California against the iPhone maker, claiming they are compelled to sell their iOS apps via the App Store because Apple has monopoly power, in their words, over app distribution, that Apple has charged developers an overly expensive commission of 30% for nearly 11 years. Suit also claims Apple stifles innovation. Apple, for its part, saying it doesn't comment on lawsuits. This is another legal challenge for the App Store. Remember, just last month, the The U.S. Supreme Court handed Apple a setback, allowing antitrust suits against the App Store to proceed. Plaintiffs in that case also argue that Apple monopolizes the market. But CEO Tim Cook has come out swinging, flatly rejecting that argument.
5: I think that with, uh, with size, I think scrutiny is fair. I think we should be scrutinized. I don't think anybody reasonable is going to come to the conclusion that Apple's a monopoly. Our share is uh, much more modest. Uh, We don't have a dominant position in any market.
4: So you're saying you're not a monopoly?
5: We are not a
2: monopoly.
6: The new suit comes today as Apple is among those tech titans now reportedly facing potential U.S. antitrust probes. Now, we don't know what the government's possible concern could focus on here, but Dan Ives of Wedbush thinks the App Store would be front and center in any such possible inquiry, that the DOJ would be looking at whether its subscription fees from developers and the use of that store are in any way anti-competitive. Investors would certainly take notice if that happened. The App Store is estimated to represent 35% of that broader services segment. Joe, back to you.
5: All right. Uh, thanks, Josh. Uh, let's trade it. Pete, All what, right. What well, Katie Hubert is my favorite analyst, and she actually broke this down already this morning. She talked about a couple of different things. The trade war being one of them, how much that could impact the stock itself. And the other one was this entire topic. And she thinks it's about $13 to the stock. Right now, she's at 231. She remains at 231. But she actually sees the concerns here. So. Are they really hampering innovation? I wouldn't think so. But I think Tim Cook makes a very good point. I don't know that you can call them a monopoly either, Joe. I mean, I think that they have a decent share, but they absolutely don't have a dominant share to the point where they're not competition, because there absolutely is. There is Apple, there is Samsung, there's all the different phones here in the U.S., and obviously when you go overseas, they are not as dominant as people would think. We would like them to be as shareholders, but they aren't.
2: You're going to have to rewrite um, these laws for antitrust to somehow take into account a whole different model for, for these tech yes. companies, because consumers are not being... Haunt. I pay zero for almost everything that I, that I do on Apple. And, and right. as far as... Re- okay, almost zero, almost. right? And by all the right, way, I'm, I'm with su- you so far. If we're suddenly, <laughs> suddenly going go to go the Euro model, where we start thinking about competitors, and oh my gosh, right. competitors, there might be layoffs because they're not as good as Apple. That's not Apple's problem, right. all right? And, and all of a sudden, what, what does Facebook, Amazon, Apple, they all have... Something similar that causes them to be the, uh, suddenly in the, in the crosshairs? Why? Because they're big they're good. and good at what they, they do. Because they're, yep. they're big and good at what they. You're supposed to want to try to get a monopoly, a legal monopoly. Everybody wants to use you. So, so I'm going to see what this lawyer says. But
3: it, uh, it's a fine line between where you know a, a dominant product is a dominant product because it's so far ahead of the competition. Right. One of the big issues for Apple is also not only uh, alternatives to the to the App Store uh, and a China trade war, but also just that there's a lower price phone that's almost as good. As, as the iPhone. So far, it's been at a place where there's been nothing uh, that's been really rivaling them at this price point. So does, is, is, does that give them uh, a antitrust dynamic? I, I agree with you, Joe, but the argument is that competitors can't get in there and have a fair spot on the App Store without Apple dictating the terms.
2: It, it reminded me, I mentioned it this morning, it reminded me a little of net neutrality where AT&T or Comcast, they, they build out, they spend billions of dollars building out all of this pipe, and then they're not allowed to charge people for, for what they built out, like it's some utility or something. There are costs to things like this. That the market can dictate what, you said? Who did you say no one's right of me? Did you say you said oh. that earlier? Is this one of those instances I said I'm where sitting to your like, left. Uh, I know. You're sitting my left <laughs> like everyone, but I don't understand this. <laughs> so let's... Uh, you're anyway. anyone could be. A regulatory scrutiny piling up uh, for big tech. Our next guest says there's one name that's most at risk. And Gary Reback was the antitrust attorney in Silicon Valley uh, that led the push uh, in the government's cas- case against Microsoft in the 90s. He joins us now. And, and Gary, we we're talking about you on, on Squawk Box or the Microsoft case that that actually it probably did eventually effectuate some, some good things for technology. I thought it set back Microsoft like 10, 15 years. The stock did nothing and needed a new CEO and needed Bomber to sort of just build a moat for years and years, but, but there was something positive, I guess, about the accident was taken, in your view.
10: Oh, I think it was extremely consequential. I mean, if you go back, say, 14 or 15 years before the smartphone, the only, and Microsoft had like 97 or 98% of the browser market. The only way you could get to Google was type www.google.com in the Microsoft browser. But of course, if you did that, there was no reason, no technical reason why Microsoft had to take you there. They could have just put up a big warning screen that said, don't go to this site. It steals your personal information without your permission. And had they done that, I think they would have killed Google in the cradle. Why didn't they do that? I've always thought that it was because of the risk of additional antitrust enforcement. They were already underwater, and about a year ago, the New York Times went out and interviewed some Microsoft people, and they said, yeah, that's right, that we didn't take those steps because of the fear of antitrust enforcement.
2: Okay. So that
10: that, opened the market, hang on, that opened the market for Google and Facebook and Amazon in a way that they would have never flourished.
2: And and you think now Google is in a similar position? I'll tell you what I keep coming back to, Gary, and that is the golden egg and and the goose. And and I look at at Europe and I try to think of, of a great innovative company that has changed the world in the last 10, 15, 20 years, and over here I can come up with like 10 of them. Over there... What have they got? SAP? What? what have they come up with? Why do we want to, it's a fine line to walk between making sure that there's, you know, that, that no one is, is unfairly uh, hampering competitors, but you don't want to ruin great American companies that have innovated and given us all this great stuff where consumers haven't really been harmed.
10: So you certainly don't want to uh, uh, imperil innovation, but I think your framework is a little misplaced here. All of my clients have always been American companies, uh, with perhaps one or two very minor exceptions. They're American companies. They deserve the right to compete in the American marketplace. If you go back and look at what Google did, you'll recall that the FTC inadvertently released a huge portion of their staff report a couple of years ago to the Wall Street Journal, and the Wall Street Journal published it, and it's still on the Wall Street Journal site. and It says what Google was doing. And it's bad stuff. I mean, they were putting their own properties ahead of competitors even when their own algorithm said that competitors should be first. They were making lists of competitors to demote in the search results. Even when their own algorithm wouldn't support that, it was bad stuff. It wasn't yep. fair competition. And they said they'd never like, do
2: that, too. They'd never do any evil. So that's even worse, because they were never supposed to. Uh, I, I understand. It. I wish we are going to have to have you back. Or maybe I have come on. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that. Melissa got mad when I said come on, on. <laughs> uh, I can't invite you on We'll on have swap. you back on fast, Gary. Yeah, we'll have you back on <laughs> fast. Great to have you. Because <laughs> we want to talk about it more. And, uh, and, and you've got some... So, uh, you know, some insight here. I'm ready to just, you know, I love these companies so much. I'm ready to say have at it. But uh, anyway, you you make some very good points. I appreciate that. Uh, But we'll have you back. Uh, Anyway. Uh, let's trade it.
3: Who wants well, to talk about it? So, so, Gary, one of his notes and the point that he's getting at with Google is that he thinks they are the most at risk. So let's just go right and what into a the great market. company, and, though. and Google right now is trading like the most at risk, whether you think so or not. Um, what are the remedies? Uh, you know, there are those that think there are a number of properties at Google you could begin to to, to spin out, including YouTube, which is, is, is very undervalued a and would be accretive, I think, to the valuation. I'm sorry?
2: Yeah, no, I just... That's oh, why important. is that? Not, think... Why can't Google have YouTube? I don't understand that. Why? It's not
3: that they can't have it. I, I think as a shareholder... But if you ask shareholders what they would want, they, they might be in favor oh, of that. Oh, well,
2: that's fine if, if you enhance shareholder value. But just in terms, I don't see how that gives them some kind of competitive, what's wrong?
0: Huh? You got anything? No, oh, my you head You got goes. anything. What do you got?
2: It so looks like he was fading. <laughs> I, know.
0: I know. I was just thinking about it. I,
10: was
2: just I know what about you're thinking. I you know? got a lot of my mind. Thursday cannot come fast enough. <laughs> anyway, still ahead. Still ahead. Stitch Fix, soaring after its earnings report. That stock on an absolute tear this year. I'm going to tell you what's behind the move. Plus, Pete's bringing the heat. To uh, wow. uh, pitch one staple stock that he says mm. could put a little pep in your Portfolio, it just did a, a new high today. Uh, the name when Fast Money returned. Welcome back to Fast Money. Consumer staples rallying alongside the broader markets today after posting uh, its worst drop of the year uh, yesterday. And Pete Nigerian has left the set. He mm. says that he's even more impressive uh, looking, standing up. Uh, he says there's one name in the sector that's headed for an even bigger pop. Look at that man. Wow. <laughs>
5: Jacked. He's jacked. So, Joe, here's what I'm pitching you. I'm going to pitch you Pepsi, and here's why. I love the CEO, the fact that he he looks like he's brand new. He's really not brand new. He's been there for 22 years, and he's been working regionally around the globe. So he's got great exposure internationally, and here he is now in the United States where 57% of their revenue comes from. So I think he's really the right guy at the right time, and that's exactly what Indra Newey talked about when she stepped down. The dividend yield of almost 3% is pretty phenomenal. You know, over the last 10 years, they've shrunk the share count by buybacks. By 10% as well. Fundamentally, this stock trades at a very, very favorable fundamental uh, PE presently. So that's important to me. The fundamentals are all there. Do they have growth? Yeah. The snack business is absolutely booming. It grew 5.5% year over year in the last quarter, and that's now 40% of their profits. So this is a company that really seems to be moving in the right direction. And you look over the last decade, you're looking at earnings growth that's very impressive, revenue growth that's very impressive as well. So this is a company that's growing. Now it's not growing at any kind of a tech-type level, but this is a company that's still growing, still grinding it out, and I think for the value, this isn't a trade, this is long-term. I've been in this for over a decade now, so I think Pepsi's one of these stocks that just continues to grind and grind higher, and I think that's part of the, the whole growth story that they've got, and some acquisitions, including SodaStream. So I think they're doing the right things when they can, and that mix of the the salt, the snacks along with the soda, I think that all comes out very favorable. Here's the thing, if you just look at a short term you'd say, wow that's too much. But you go back and you can actually see it's really not made the move that a lot of people had expected. That's what I'm looking for though, a nice grinding move to the upside. I think that's what Pepsi gives you. All right. Who has questions uh, for Pete? Pete, I I guess
3: ultimately it comes down to uh, if you look at the bright spot in the snack business, I think it's been extraordinary. There's a lot of competition out there, and the comps are very, very difficult. Do you worry about the, the multiple you're paying for this
5: company? I'm not worried about the multiple, Tim, because overall, right now, presently, it's trading somewhere 14, 15. The forward might be edging towards 20, but because of the, the, growth is not huge, but where the growth is right now, I think, can support where it is trading. And I still think there's plenty of upside in terms of can they make more acquisitions to diversify even more? I think absolutely. Matter of fact, keep an eye on the cannabis world.
2: Okay, no more questions. Time to vote. Uh, are you buying uh, Pete's Pitch? on Pepsi. Tim, yeah? Yeah, I'm
3: just getting done with my picture of Pete holding the green Pepsi. Um, And I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer. I'm I'm a believer in Pepsi. As an emerging markets guy, this is one of the companies that's been uh, a global leader both in the snack business and their ability to diversify their business, and they're actually growing in those demographics. Really good picture. Yeah, uh, he's very good. I'm terrible, actually.
4: (laughs) But I'm a buyer as well. I like the story for a lot of what Tim says. I think in the near term, the global growth will probably hurt them with the dollar where it is, but for the longer term, I like the story.
0: You got a red
2: sky, or what is that? No, that's the logo. Okay,
4: all right.
0: See, I'm not, I'm not very artistic, as you know, Joe. But I wrote there, and Pete can probably see it. I love Fritos, and you'd be like, well, that's dopey, (laughs) but it's it's not dopey dopey because if you like Coke at 22 times forward earnings, you gotta love Pepsi at the same multiple. Pepsi's a better company, despite the move higher. I think it's got room. And I'll tell you this quickly: Goldman Sachs has been so behind the eight ball on this sucker, they just upgraded it to neutral from sell. They need one more upgrade, the stock goes higher. I was
2: going to say, what's your favorite toes, honestly, because how many Free are there? Toes. Cheetos, Frito's, toes, Doritos. I just mean, Doritos. Do you like the toes. I no? like them all. Yeah, I do. I like yeah. them all. I like them. It looks like it. I like that sound. <laughs> I really do. All right. <laughs> the desk, uh, is that Beavis? I don't know. Anyway, the desk has spoken. Uh, but are uh, you at home buying Peeps Pepsi Pitch? vote in our Twitter poll. We'll reveal uh, the results later in the show. Plus, uh, check out Stitch Fix, which is not easy to say, surging after its earnings report. It's one of the top performers in the retail sector uh, this year. we got more on that move right after the break. (laughs) Welcome back to Fast Money. Stitch soaring nearly 30% after its earnings report. Leslie Picker Back at CNBC headquarters with more. Leslie, good good morning. That's what I normally
8: say. Good morning. I know it's <laughs> weird to say good evening to you. I don't know, I know, I know. what
9: time is it? It's five o'clock somewhere. Anyway, Joe Stitch Fix's call is ongoing. That stock surging after the company beat on both the top and bottom lines, showing a surprise profit of seven cents when the street was expecting a loss. Stitch Fix offers online personal styling, and last year started a subscription service called Style Pass. Instead of charging twenty dollars for a so-called style fee each time a user gets a shipment, the Style Pass costs forty-nine dollars a year and covers all their style fees. CEO Katrina Lake says Style passes renewal rate exceeded 70 percent and contributed to both revenue and user retention. Stitch Fix, you're right, it is hard to say, has been expanding in other new areas as well, men's, kids, and in the UK. Lake was asked on the call about expanding into rentals, and she responded by saying that it could be a future opportunity for the company. Stitch Fix's stock price surging more than 30% on today's earnings, and it's common to see significant moves when Stitch Fix reports. The last four quarters, post earnings day moves included double digit percentage gains and losses. That volatility is largely due to the company's small float and large amount of short interest. Joe. That's
2: crazy, Leslie. 30%. Uh, thank you. Let's trade it, Karen. 30%. Yeah,
9: I mean,
4: there's a lot to like in this. Uh, there's not a lot to like if you are short, Stitch Fix, which is most of the reason for I'm the move. Old. So, I mean, I think it was 24% percent short interest which is enormous so big revenue numbers that's great for them good retention numbers i mean guide higher. that's all good for me i could never get on board just the valuation even here you know lower or higher than where it started the day or where it's ending the day at 30 either of those too high for me but i mean good for them for getting some momentum i don't know what you do if you're a short seller here it
3: is small isn't it the float is small is small billion, the dynamics are bad yeah.
4: Where it could go to the but there's enough guidance court, there too. there's
3: and the, right there's enough guidance mm-hmm. and good news there in their outlook to say that you know they've they've turned a corner here or that they're justifying that multiple with the growth so agree with Karen um, but wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't chase it. it all right we got to keep moving mm-hmm. as you know yeah. beyond meat
2: reporting earnings for the first time tomorrow that stock soaring out of the gate despite uh, <laughs> falling today up 300% since uh, debuting back on May 2nd and uh, the options market says another huge move, which Guy had after actually eating one of these burgers, uh, could be coming. <laughs> Mike uh, Coe is out in San Francisco. <laughs> That's true, isn't oh, it? That's 100% it true. Let's,
8: uh, anyway, let's be um, sure we. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, <laughs> let's be sure to move on from that one. Uh, okay. On. So, yeah, I mean, beyond. You know, beyond it, the options market's implying a very big move here, about 14%. Uh, and you were just talking about Stitch Fix's large short interest. It's actually higher and beyond, about 35%. And that might account for the very unusual trade we saw today, which was a purchase of the June 155, 160 call spread. Consider how far out of the money that is. The buyer of that obviously is expecting some kind of a very short term and very severe spike, and that could be betting on some kind of short covering after they report earnings tomorrow. And again, it's implying about a 14% move. Overall, though, because of that high short interest, the options market is predicting that the stock market is, that this thing is going to go a little bit lower June and July, maybe 4 to 6%.
2: You had one, T-Bone? You had one of these? T-Bone. t I, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I had <laughs> one. do You had one
8: or not? Uh, look, look, yeah I, I, yeah, I absolutely have had one. I mean, look, everybody wants to eat less red meat. I wish these things tasted even better than they do. When they make a porterhouse, when they start making pastrami, a, a, a when they start making brisket, then I'm you. on board. A but until then, oh, I, tell I don't he think likes so. A good uh, uh, uh,
2: <laughs> let's trade it, Guy. And if you've got any uh, you know, personal I have a lot of insight.
0: Uh, uh, I mean, this uh, is a different show. It's like yeah. Dr. Oz or something. So listen, <laughs> if you were fortunate enough to get in this stock, let's say at $50 right after it opened at 46 you have now doubled it right so you're in this if you sell half your position you're in it for free i'm preaching what pete talks about all the time trade the stock don't let the stock trade you get out of half before earnings tomorrow okay very good for more
2: options action Um, check out the, the full show friday at 5 30 p.m eastern or head to the website, optionsaction.com. Plus, check out the, the pot stocks on fire this year. Bank of America just doubled down on one of those names. We'll tell you uh, what has them so bullish when Fast Money Returns. Welcome back, we actually have some breaking news on the trade talks between Mexico and the US and Kayla Tasha is outside the White House with the details, Kayla.
1: Joe, after about 90 minutes meeting between the U.S. and Mexico delegation, NBC News is reporting, according to a senior administration official, that there is no deal that has been reached. Now, this is largely consistent with what we have been hearing about the expectations for today's meeting, given that the president is overseas, as is much of his immigration policy team. Uh, that being said, uh, we did expect there to be some ground broken, some uh, compromise perhaps discussed on how to move forward. We're still awaiting any statement from the white house and from the delegation that was negotiating but according to nbc news at this time a senior administration official says no deal to avert those tariffs has been reached Joe. yeah
2: definitely need some color there uh, kayla i don't know i don't know when we'll get it and uh, we'll see how the futures react eventually uh, later uh, tonight i don't know how much we we're counting on after navarro i thought there might be something right i, I you know but
1: uh well navarro's comments this morning saying that Uh, The threat of the tariffs had definitely gotten Mexico's attention and had brought them to the negotiating table. That being said, I was told by a senior official earlier today that today's meeting was seen as the starting line for negotiations, not necessarily the finish line. We know that President Trump... Likes to be the closer on his own deals, and given that he wasn't in the room today, that would make it
2: harder. And we just hear uh, that Fitch downgraded, as you can see there on the, uh, what's that thing called, a lower third? uh, Lower third. Yeah, Tyron. Everybody's got one. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> he just says lower fits downgrade uh, Mexico's credit rating at triple B thanks Kayla we'll probably, uh, probably see you tomorrow I'm not allowed to actually mention that there's a show called Squawk Box in the morning though I uh, did uh, hopefully oh I did that's <laughs> right anyway it's fine All it's, right. fine. I'll, I'll it's a great you. show uh, okay Kayla thanks uh, up next Final Trades
5: For the final trade, let's uh, go around the, uh, the horn, Pete. I'm going to give you Dropbox. Giddy up some huge buying in there. Coles upside. I think it's going higher. Lockbox. Dropbox. Dropbox. Not lockbox. Okay, Pete. <laughs> oh, sorry,
3: Tim. Tim. Hi, I'm Tim. Um, I was so moved by Pete's uh, power fast pitch for, for Pepsi. I'm power actually going with Coca-Cola. And in this environment where everyone bristles at this valuation, I think Coke's free cash flow in this environment is what you want to own. carrot Karen
4: yeah even with this two-day rally i am concerned about this market i'm concerned about trade these headlines don't help s p puts uh, pete called it earlier vix is too low here
5: really nice how you feeling
4: guy
0: nice no i feel fine and joe i I so enjoy having you with us at five o'clock i know this listen I know this is hard. you got to get up at like 3 in the morning and do your show from 6 to 9. Getting back in here from Jersey. But thank you. I think on behalf of all of us. On behalf of of us us all. Can we just get a little golf clap for a golfer? Costco trades really well, Joe Kernan. Don't go to sleep on Costco. I will be back two
2: weeks from today or maybe yesterday. Mad Money starts right now with Jim.
8: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential.